It is the Ides of May 2015, and you're listening to Trash Bridge Ratio. Hello, I'm Jackson Tyler, your host. With me, as ever, in this radio intro is uh, Destiny, Kyle, and Matt. Everybody say hi. Hi. We have last names. We're people, too. Uh, yeah, it's true. What do you want from me? Do you want to say them? I want you to be a good host. Oh, okay. You, that is the most professional intro I have ever given, and you had to neg. Yeah, I thought that was fine. <laughs> you can say our I last name's in the plug zone. Had to get that neg in. Sweet neg. That's what it? I do. That's what you do. Sounds racist. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit touch, touch, touch of uh, weirdness. So our relationship is based upon me negging you. <laughs> Gotta be careful with that pronunciation. Now it sounds kind of like a euphemism. Negging. Kyle, do you do know what negging means? No, I don't. Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's uh, where, it, like, awful... It's a pickup artist language that means be shitty to someone in order to make them seek your approval. Gross. Oh, that's awful. As someone with an undiagnosed attachment disorder, that's not fun. No, no, it's not. I am very susceptible to it. Uh, but that's pickup artist talk for the week. How's everybody doing? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, you see, I took the red pill, so... <laughs> yeah. Bite me. You're gonna be single. <laughs> is, is that Xanax? <laughs> I, um... Take the Xanax and show me how deep the rabbit hole goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm gonna show you a deep hole, I need to be real relaxed. So yeah. <laughs> that's, where I, that's what I was thinking, actually. I'm oh, glad... I don't, I don't need that. I'm glad that that joke was just three of us telling the same joke, but with less and less subtext and subtlety each time. <laughs> Good job, everyone. Good job. It's going to end with our podcast already right, being goatsy, so that's Speaking of, Kyle, what did you think of the Avengers? Okay, this is the first time I've ever used this phrase. It's a hot pile of trash. Yeah. I I feel such hatred towards it. I I started screaming at someone for it recently. It was only because she started it. She started it. <clears throat> I was at a party recently and she was already like not liking me because I was criticizing the portrayal of PL Travers and Saving Mr. Banks because she's essentially portrayed as an archetypal bitch. <clears throat> And I actually think the film was very interesting, but I had problems with it. But she got really defensive about that. And then we later the conversation carried on to the Avengers. And I was like, I'm leaving this conversation because I didn't like this movie. And then she probably jokingly, but I took it seriously, was kind of mouthed the words, I hate you at me. And I was like, oh, really? Then I really <laughs> got into it. And it's just like, it's incoherent and just childish, and the fact that every other scene is, I am told, used to set up a movie that's going to come out in two decades, and <laughs> and it also feels like vaguely sexist because its female characters are given pretty much nothing to do except for reduced to their most feminine, their most coded feminine qualities and it's just loud and boring and I went to the bathroom for five minutes and when I came back I missed nothing. What nothing you, had changed. What were you doing when you went to the bathroom? What were they doing? What was, what was happening on screen at, that, at the oh, time you left? What was I doing in the bathroom? No, no. He was having a pee. No, no. What I was doing in the bathroom was I was doing a little foot dance with my right foot under a stall. <laughs> what was happening in the movie when you left and when I, you came back? I got a Hulk in my mouth. Classy. <sighs> yep. Forever classy. Um, when when I came back, they were still fighting over the cradle, in the in the in the car. Oh, in, in the, the Korea the truck. In, in the Korea. Truck. Yeah. Yeah, that fight fight goes on a while. Forever. I really liked the movie. I thought it was fun. It was funny. Uh, I liked the first one better, but I re- I actually thought that the Black Widow stuff was. Uh, better than the last film because in the last film she's just the girl but at least in this movie she's like given a more interesting backstory and uh, I mean it's kind of a boring one but at least it's there and Julie I thought, Delpy is in it apparently yeah Sorry for no I saw I remember 
Um, cause I had to explain your tweet to Matt when you named all these actors in different movies and you named the before trilogy and he was like, who was in the before trilogy that was in Avengers? And I was like, Julie Delphi. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was good. I thought Scarlet Witch was actually really cool. I'm kind of bored with superheroes in general, but, uh, Well, I have I got some I... news for you? <laughs> right. But like, I don't know. I thought the movie was fine. I, I really enjoyed it. I can't say I didn't. I enjoyed the goofy Ultron bits. I liked the downtime when everybody's having, uh, parties and telling stories and trying to lift Thor's hammer. I could have watched a whole uh, movie of that. Yes. Um, may I, may I, con- may I continue? Briefly. Sure. <laughs> so I, the, the scene you're talking about where they're trying to lift Thor's hammer. I liked that. I liked that, that I glimpsed into the dynamics of how the people work together and are uh, both on uh, the battlefield and off. I, I think that's very interesting. Um, and another thing that I had an issue with was that I don't think anything thematically or allegorically relevant was ever carried through. There were like seeds of ideas there that were just kind of dropped and or, and or obfuscated by the mindless, noisy action that made me want to f- shoot myself in the knee. Have you never seen a superhero movie? I have, and I don't like them. I so, can tell. I like Iron Man. I like Iron Man. So your I like problem the first Avengers. It- <laughs> but what I liked about the first Avengers was watching the different characters interact with one another. I, um, I think this is my favorite of the Phase 2 movies. And... Part of that is it is Joss Whedon's Star Trek TNG movie of films in that <laughs> it takes a thing that would have been better at when it's all the talky bits of characters sitting around in a TV show and throws a bunch of action in it because it's expected to. And it, it's a mess. And I agree with all of that stuff. But I think it's like Whedon being Whedon in like the best way he knows how. I agree. I agree with some of that. I think, I mean, I think that's like leads into its flaws in that that's the first half of the movie and then any attempt at like. I still, I like, I I actually uh, liked a lot of the team stuff. I just like seeing a team do stuff together. Mm -hmm. Me too. Me too. And I like the safe house bit because it reminded me of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Agreed. (laughs) The safe house bit was great. Uh, The part where the movie falls apart to me is when Ultron's plan is revealed. But it was an obvious plan. Sure, but before that, he's not actually wanted to destroy the world. He just—he was just like it was a revenge thing, and then it, and then all. No, no, he always wanted to destroy the world. No, 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 he always wanted to destroy the world. The twins wanted to destroy the Avengers. He—he never says. It's uh, it's not until the uh, she reads his mind and realizes, oh, he's gonna wipe out everyone. I feel like that's been his plan since the beginning. Right. That's, that's only his plan if you, like, know about him going in. At no point in the movie do they ever I didn't set know the, about I, him yeah, going in. Yeah, me either. I mean, I feel like, like, generically, that's where the movie ends. The end of the big fight to save the world. But, like, up until the like, point where she realizes... Where else is it supposed to go? Was like, it just a it's... fight between the two of them? Like, No. I don't know. I, I guess I just disagree. I have no idea what happened in the movie. I you went to that bathroom the one time. Yeah. No, no, no. The, I, even if I had stayed there the whole time, I would not have known what was going on in the movie. And what I don't like about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and this whole this whole business model, essentially, is that each film is pretty much contingent on your knowledge of the previous film and, to some degree, your knowledge of different storylines from the comics. And it's like watching Inside Baseball for forever, and I hate that. I mean, you don't really have that. to know the I, comics, but I agree that sometimes you have to know. Because like, I hadn't seen like, Thor movies, but you can still kind of use your context clues. I didn't think it was that hard to yeah, follow. Thor, Thor and Iron Man are the ones that I think get off um, by pretty much by the skin of their teeth as far as Thor goes, um, for me at least. Um, and context is not totally necessary in order to watch and enjoy them. But like... The reason why I like the James Bond movies um, is because they're anthological. They're not dependent on having seen a billion other movies in order to enjoy them. They are self-contained. I mean, there are certain contextual clues that hint at this idea of a canon, but I, I hate hate this. I hate. I want it to stop. And I, I hate also that it's all anyone ever wants to talk about Kyle, now. Kyle, 
I mean, th- it's not that. It's not an anthology. It's an ongoing series. Like, yeah. I, it's fine if it's fine if you're like, that's not what I want. But they're making serialized film. Uh, like, yeah. we everyone knows that going in. Like, yeah. So- I, and plus, I think that's more of a problem but, with Age of Ultron than it has been with a lot of other Marvel. Like, The Winter Soldier, I think you could watch that having not seen a single Marvel, other Marvel film, and it would work just fine. It would still sure, be but they're, ridiculous. They're not nonsense. making movies for that audience they don't have to. Sure. Like, saying that you, you need these movies to be approachable by, like, people who haven't seen the other ones, like, they're not interested in that. They no, don't have to. you see a sequel, by no. the way, not, you know what I mean? Uh, but I think, some, but I, sequels I, often work in self-contained ways. They aren't totally predicated. But like, but they've they explicitly stated by calling it Phase 2 that it's, they're not interested in doing that. Like, no. they're building a universe. But I think Kyle's point more speaks to, because you like the Avengers 1, but you didn't see every, did you see every single Phase 1 film? Before uh, I have, yeah. Uh, I'm talking to Kyle. Kyle, did oh. you see all the Age 1 films? Phase the one only films? one I didn't see was Incredible Hulk. The oh, only okay. two that I haven't seen are Incredible Hulk and Thor The Dark World. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, and Iron Man 3. So those three. Uh, so I think Avengers 1 works fine as a standalone movie, even though it is also built just as much to... Um, just as much with, like, here are a thousand references. The Age of Ultron doesn't have the strong core of itself to ha- handle the references. Like, the references just... They interrupt the plot in ways. Sure, that... but in a in a an installment in a thing that is serialized, saying this does not stand on its own is I don't think that's a valid critique because it's not trying to be that. I don't think that. so either. I, I don't think so either. But I think it speaks to deeper problems in Age of Ultron structure. Is what I'm saying. Like I don't the... understand how that isn't you saying it doesn't stand on its own and that's a problem. No, I'm saying that the bit where the Thor stuff happens doesn't like it, if. Uh, maybe I have said I that. guess I my know. thing it's like the context clues were like I hadn't seen any Thor movies and I'd had no problem kind of figuring out what was going on mm-hmm. um, and also I've never seen any of the Hulk movies I know they like replaced the actors with Mark Ruffalo and stuff but like really all you needed was Avengers 1 for that and obviously like you aren't going to get like the stinger mm-hmm. if you haven't read the comics but those things are always for the comic fans I have seen the first Avengers, and I feel like it didn't help with my understanding of this film. But also, to be fair, I don't know. I kind of knew what was going on in the first Avengers, but only but in as much as only in as much as the the Tesseract was a MacGuffin, and everything else was exposition. Like, like you're not a like a superhero movie person to begin with, so maybe you I were kind not. of already predisposed to not like it, which is fine. I like I I I knew. <laughs> Like, as soon as I saw that you didn't like it, I was like, well, of course not. It's not a Kyle movie. And I was, you know, I don't have a problem with you not liking it. I just don't think it's for you. But, but what is what is James Bond? Isn't James Bond a similar kind of superhero? And I like no, the... No, not at all. No, not, not at all. Okay. 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 I don't, I don't know. I, when I saw this movie, there were people next to me uh, for the entire film, like five minutes before a thing happened, they would yell out the thing that was about to happen and then were really proud that they knew what was happening. So, I don't know. My enjoyment of the film was definitely hindered by it being structured as a reference delivery machine. But yeah. I don't know. It didn't feel like that for me? No, I don't mean it. I feel... I don't know. Like, I'm not gonna... I don't want to go ahead and say... Just because the films are built that way, that means they're not for me, and therefore that's just fine. Because I actually think that's a harmful way of approaching stories. Well, I mean, I, like, I mean, you not can make that everybody argument, likes but... everything, I guess my thing is. Like, I don't like... Uh, I'm trying to think of a genre that I know I wouldn't like. Like, I don't see a lot of romantic comedies because I know I'm not going to like them, so I don't feel right trashing mm-hmm. them when I know they're not my thing. Mm-hmm. Well... I think my issue is that even though I know that superhero movies are not necessarily my thing, I can at least occasionally appreciate what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I ap- appreciate that the Winter Soldier is trying to evoke um, 70s conspiracy thrillers. I appreciate Iron Man as a weird apologia for nuclear warfare. And I, I think Iron Man is legitimately fun. I, I legitimately enjoy that film. Um, but I feel like it was just walking out of this. There was no way you could convert me back. It was just not okay. enjoyable at all to me. And he, like, I think Ted is a fine film, the Seth MacFarlane comedy. Even though, like, I hate it. I do not. It's not my style of comedy at all. But I think it is competent. I think it's fine for what it's trying to do. It succeeds. Um, I was gonna also say the reasons I liked it mostly 
were just because like like I said it was funny. I liked that it wasn't just about the action and I also think like it doesn't it feels like they're setting up for another movie, but it still kind of has, in my opinion, a lot of bits that kind of just work well as on its own. But there's still a lot of unresolved character stuff and I kinda like it because it's stuff that's gonna cause conflict between their relationship and even though I've kind of got superhero movie fatigue, like, I'm okay with being, like, okay, this is set for Avengers 3, and that's all right. Like, See, the, the, the stuff you're saying about unresolved character stuff, like, that didn't feel like it for me. Like, the, yeah. Because the, we were talking about this uh, earlier when we, like, after we'd just seen the film. Uh, it was about Tony's arc, who I feel is dropped, and you feel is left open for the next one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's totally intentional, especially, like, Knowing that, I mean, and this is the one thing where it's like you kind of have to know the comics, and I've never read them, but I know. That, I don't like, think you have to know the comics. Like they they set him up as someone who clearly can't be trusted and is willing to go off on his own. Like they have to leave it sit at a certain uneasy thing where the bad guy shows up, and they're like, okay, we have to go take care of this, and we're gonna form this uneasy truce. Uh, and then they do that, and then Tony Stark basically is like, I'm out of here. I'm done with all this. I'm gonna go away now, and that sets up like. He's like, they're like, okay, we respect each other, even though we don't like each other, and we're clearly at odds on a lot of philosophical things, and that's the stuff that's going to lead to Civil War. Sure, and maybe they will bring all of that stuff back in Civil War, and I will be like, okay, I was wrong to criticize. But at this point, it feels like they set up Tony as essentially a villain, and then they never... Because he's a villain in the next movie. Yeah. Okay, but I, I don't know. That's like I say. I, like it did saying like this is critiquing a TV show for like not giving you the resolution of a story in episode three. Like, what do you want? Because Ultron's like whole deal was that he was representing this failure in Tony's personality and in overcoming and like and then he just goes away and they don't make uh, that part of Tony's character essential to the climax. The climax is just punching a robot and it, like like the themes and and ideological debate of the of the movie never reaches ahead in its own climax. I I think that's a valid criticism. I mean, I don't think you're necessarily wrong in that point. But saying that this stuff is unresolved and that's the problem when like this is just saying it's you don't want it to be serialized. Yeah. I, I'll I, admit that. I, I, I don't I want it to be serialized. I, I don't I don't mind it being serialized, so I I don't want to make that criticism because I would like great serialized thing. I just think this doesn't do it well. Like it is it just makes the the final half hour of this movie feel really hollow to me, at least. Is there an example of another serialized franchise that I wouldn't hate? Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. All said it. Well, hor- horror movies. Okay. I, like, horror movies aren't serialized. You're watching the Jason movies right now, aren't you? Uh, Jason movies like, aren't no, serialized. Uh, they are self-contained. Really, um... Halloween movies are sort of serialized. Something like, uh, something like Phantasm or the later Paranormal Activity movies are yeah. much closer to that. Well, I agree. Well, like, I, I think of Saw when I think Saw, of that. Saw, yeah. yeah. Saw is also that. But, but, but I also, maybe I'm biased because I've seen all the Saw movies, but they never, they, they always struck me as, nah, never mind, you're right, they're serialized. One of the one of the Saw movies is literally a clip show of stuff that yeah. happened in Paris. <laughs> yeah, that's that, true. Yes. Yeah. But, Which but, Saw yeah. movie? Six. That's horrible. <laughs> I thought four was four was the one, but was four I the one? Was, I think you well, I think there were four's the one that takes place before. <laughs> um, even so, even so, the fact that it is a clip show means that I did not necessarily have to see the other movies, and I could have watched that as a self-contained thing that references other things. Maybe I don't but, think that I don't think no one could hop into Saw Five and understand. No. Okay. And I, I, I just say that you're right. Well, I just say that I don't. That's not a criticism I want to make because I know I can enjoy serialized movies, but I didn't enjoy Age of Ultron, so I need to. Well, I enjoy. I think it's fine. I don't hate it like Kyle does. I think it's a kind of incoherent. It's hot mess. garbage. No, I just it's every kinda... every laugh is self congratulatory. I hated it. I don't know. It just felt like Whedon being like they let Whedon be Whedon in a way they didn't even in the first movie. Like the sh- the scene where. Um, Tony flies in, shoots everyone, goes, nice talk, and some random guy goes, no, it wasn't. 
<laughs> I love that scene. I don't care. I don't know. And I'm also, I'm a big old sucker for Whedon-y humor because I've always loved Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. And all his problems, he always makes me laugh. And he, he uh, you know, like, I, I'm a big fan of his humor. Uh, so you, you had me at hello. And I even, like, when the movie started, I was a little worried because I'm like, oh, some of this humor is a little forced. But, like... By the time they got to that party scene and all of, uh, there's all those old people there. Cause of <laughs> course, uh, you know, uh, Steve's friends are all old. <laughs> and I just thought that was really great. Like little things like that just cracked me up. Yeah. And I liked the, all the sidekicks coming back, like Rhodey and, uh, what's his face? Falcon. Um, Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. Couldn't think of his name. Thank you. Um, I enjoyed seeing Hawkeye's uh, family because apparently in the comics he doesn't have a family so it's nice to like throw in this weird non-canon thing um, yeah I don't know I didn't like it as much as Guardians of the Galaxy but I really 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 liked it I also did not like Guardians of the Galaxy and to the earlier point that you two were making I also enjoyed the Black Widow stuff a lot but I, I accept the criticisms of it I guess Oh yeah, same here. The only criticism I don't like of it is the people saying that it disempowered her to have a love interest. No, it did. Like, I feel like the so I love the Hulk stuff in Avengers One. Uh, Me too. As someone who has depression and everything, that like I'm always angry moment is probably my favorite superhero moment in any movie. Because uh, yeah, it like turns this guy's inner stuff into his big power and it's the most cathartic thing but then taking that into this relationship and his inability to do anything it portrays him as this like emotionally stunted person and black widow is portrayed as someone who's gone through the same amount of stress in her life but is able to deal with it better and i don't know i feel like she comes out of it way better than he does and if anything it's portraying him as a shitty man child who can't handle his emotions i don't i don't agree with that that's how I, I read it, but that's... I just think... I don't think it makes him shitty. I just think that it 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 wasn't, like, a thing that made her look like this awful person or a thin no. character. And I like um, that he... Like, he has a valid reason, but she has been through the same amount of grief. And I think that, like... I know it's different because he turns into a completely different person... But I, I just wish he'd give their love a chance. Yeah, I, I was like yelling. I was yelling at him at the end. I was like, "What are you doing, Bruce? Bruce? Oh, for God's sake, Bruce!" I was like, "Because I think love would humanize him, and I know he's afraid of like not having any humanity left." And uh, so I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I thought and it, was... it just reminded me of a lot of Buffy stuff that I'm not going to go into. But that's just me. <laughs> it's the super. It's like his super effective soapy style understanding how to pull on those strings worked for me. Well, it's like, yeah, when you have a problem that's, like, beyond anything a a normal person can understand, and then you take the other um, extraordinary person and try to tell them, oh, you don't feel what I feel, like, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, it worked, it worked. Well, that's Avengers talk, I guess. This is too much talk about the Avengers. I know, I was like, oh, we're talking about this way too much. (laughs) And we're not even, like, current in internet times. This movie's old now. <laughs> old meme? Old, old meme. Ugh, it's yesterday's meme. By the time this episode comes out, me and Destiny might be seeing Mad Max. So that's exciting. Oh, hell yeah. I'm really excited. I want to watch the original because I don't know if I've ever seen it. Mad I, Max, I haven't Mad either, but Max. we're just going to roll right into it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to track it down. We're going to watch it. Oh, yeah. We just won't do it before this one comes out. Why? Because it comes out this weekend, coming up. We have a whole week to watch it. That's not... How are we going to make that happen? Anyways! <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyone else have any other movies they want to talk about, or do we just want to go into it because we talked about them just too long? We could talk about uh, Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. The but... greatest Friday the 13th movie ever made. <laughs> Lay it on me. It's It's like... Only a year after the last one, and it's essentially following this really horrible thing that they ended up doing after the... Was it the fourth movie, Matt, where they introduced Tommy? Yeah. Okay, so they introduced this character into the franchise named Tommy Jarvis, and he's played by baby Corey Feldman. And his mother and sister are killed by Jason, and then at the end of the movie, he kills Jason, and he grows up in the next movie, and Jason follows him around again. But then in this movie, he's like, I'm going to... I'm going to, you know, exact my revenge and get him. But Jason 
uh, you know, Jason. No, no, no. Specifically, in the last movie, he killed Jason, and this movie opens with him digging up the grave because he's pretty sure Jason isn't really dead, and then lightning strikes the shovel that's in Jason's body and resurrects him, bringing you actual zombie lich Jason, which is the Jason we all want in our hearts. Yes. And it's also really, really, um, well, dare I say meta. There's a lot of like, who enjoys horror? Like lines like that from the actors in it. And, um, a lot of just really funny sight gags. And, uh, it also has a James Bond opening. Yes. There's the very opening is, uh, the camera going into Jason's eye. And then you see Jason like walk in the circle, stop and throw his machete at the camera. It's very sexy. I want to watch it's, that. It made me laugh out loud. Like, I completely forgot it happened. And this movie is so great. Like, even if you don't like Friday the 13th movies, I think you could enjoy this. You're selling me incredibly hard on Jason Six. It's pretty good. It's the best one we've watched that isn't the first one or the one with Crispin Glover. Uh, as, as, the um, one Crispin Glover is not a good movie. Don't pretend. Is Four the Six the, like, Star Trek-style one of them was meant to be the last one, and then they go to the trouble of bringing him back in ridiculous ways. Yes. Yep. Yeah. This Great. Is literally called the final chapter. <laughs> or yeah, the fourth one. Yep. Um, and then it's a new beginning. <laughs> yep. But he dies. But he dies at the end of that one, and then is resurrected even further. Yeah. Jason lives. <laughs> Great. Yep. I, I like. Wonder- I like that there's a middle one in between the final chapter and Jason lives. Well, technically, he's not the killer in two of them. Yeah. So it's really weird and muddled, and it's hilarious, like, thinking about how they tried to fill a bunch of holes, but then the biggest holes of all, they never, ever solve. And I don't know. I, I really love this franchise. I grew up with it, and it's been fun rewatching these. Now, are you guys excited to go to space? Not well, she's never ready. seen space, but oh, we're going to get yeah. there. You've, okay, I need, I've yeah. got Jason X to watch. I haven't seen any other Jason one, but apparently I'm just going to watch that one. It's Jason pretty great. Fun. Excited. From the writer of Drive Angry, so I'm hyped. <laughs> Kyle, have you seen anything? I've seen some things, but I want to actually bring up a movie that I watched a while back. But I was listening to Badland Girls, the episode where Destiny and Matt were talking about horror movies, and y'all mentioned reboots. I haven't seen the Friday the 13th reboot, but I re- watched the A Nightmare on Elm Street reboot relatively recently. Oh, that movie, okay, I find it, some of it, formally competent, but thematically, I feel that it is a piece of shit. It's the most garbage no, well, movie. Because, because, the whole movie's crap. Like, about two-thirds of the way in, there's this implication that one should not believe victims of abuse. Yep. Well, it's <clears> gross. <throat> It's the whole yeah. thing is super gross. That's it's super gross. That one's not well, the Rob Zombie one, right? Rob Zombie did the. No, other no, one. that's Halloween. That's ah, Halloween. Okay, Halloween. Okay, I didn't know which one. But, but there's this part where Rudy Mara is like, "Well, if he didn't actually abuse us, we don't know." And like, okay, that's great. And then at the end of the film, they finally find like tangible physical evidence that they were indeed abused. And I was like, "Oh, so now you're saying we should only abuse? Uh, we should only?" Um, recognize and listen to the voices of abuse victims if we have concrete evidence. That's it's great. Really, it's really weird because the um, like they're trying to like subvert the initial origin of Freddy, but they don't do a good job of it, and it ends up just being this muddled mess because of it. How are they trying to subvert it exactly? Because in the original, wasn't Freddy like it wasn't clear whether or not he actually abused them, right? I feel like it goes out of its way, at least a couple of the early ones. And I think they take it back as it goes on to say that he was wrongly accused and the parents just went and killed him. Oh, you're right. That's, but then they, that's they eventually it. like change their minds about that. Mm-hmm. No, you're totally right. I don't and remember. Then it... Oh, go on. Sorry. No, go on. My biggest problem with that movie, um, next to what you just pointed out, was that it kind of just it has no sense of fun. The yeah. other movies are so much fun. The kills are really funny. The gore is really clever. Freddy says a lot of cool, funny, th- not cool things, but he says funny things. And it's kind of a hip, dumb, winking franchise. And that reboot is just super self-serious. Don't you know? Reboots, self-serious reboots are in style, yo. And they already they already did like an actually clever 
semi-serious reboot with New Nightmare. Oh, New Nightmare is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Yeah, it's so good. It should be. It's really great. Yeah, so that is a trash. And then, yeah, then anything else I've watched recently, I watched Money Lake is Missing, which I really loved, which is the Otto Preminger film about a single mother whose daughter goes missing. I've yeah. seen part of that. That's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Titus by Julie Taymor, which is atrociously paced, but it's gorgeous and very flamboyant, and I liked it. I like that movie, too. I haven't seen it. I love the play. It's my favorite play. (laughs) It's a weird thing to have be your favorite play. I know she didn't say Coriolanus, so (laughs) I don't know what that is. Shakespeare. Coriolanus is uh, my grinder profile name. Ha! Really nice. Very cool. Ha, Kyle. Yeah, the movie's kind of a hot mess, but I don't know. I'm just I'm really into that play. It's 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 like if Shakespeare did Grindhouse. Yeah. Well, this talk is wound down. (laughs) (laughs) Did anybody have any other movies? I mean, I guess I watched all the Star Wars, but that's what I'm going to say about that. Speaking of serious movies. Oh, sorry. We're we're still going to work on those. We're going to catch up and we'll have a Star Wars chat later as we get closer to the Star Wars. Have you not seen Star Wars before? I've seen them. Destiny's seen the original trilogy, but not in a long time. So we're we're watching the despecialized versions. Hey, they're pretty good. But we'll save that until Destiny has reached the younglings. Yep. Uh, oh dear. Be, we can look. talk about how not even they could survive the prequel trilogy. <laughs> not even the younglings could survive. There, there was a security hologram, all right? You'll ha- if this is your first time watching them, they won't just be boring. They'll be hilarious and fun. They'll be terrible, yep. but you'll have a great time. Uh, yep. Repeat right, okay. viewings are less okay, interesting. Okay, so, yes, so Kyle? Sorry, I apologize. No, I think go, go, go. Okay, so I'm looking at the Wikipedia for Freddy Krueger, and he's... <laughs> Because I wasn't sure whether... I, I haven't seen the entire franchise in a very long time, and you were talking about them backtracking on whether... Yeah, you it's been like... It's been three years since we went through it all, I think. <clears throat> was that but three like, years the, ago? I thought that the, was last Halloween. I'm sorry. No, it was it was the Halloween two before that, I think. Okay, the, uh, the The original script that Craven wrote characterized Freddy as a child molester, but it's only okay. implied in the film. Okay. Well... Yeah. Is everybody ready to talk about this month's movie? Yeah. Yep. Destiny, it was your choice. Would you like to introduce us to the film? Here I go. Go! Yeah! Woohoo! We picked Gregorak, or I picked, excuse me, I don't want to implicate you guys in this. (laughs) Uh, I picked Gregoraki's 2014 drama, White Bird in a Blizzard, starring Shailene Woodley, Eva Green, and Christopher Maloney. Uh, based on the book by, who wrote the book? Laura Kaskiski? Kaskiski? Whatever, it's not a very good book, you guys. I've never read it, but I can tell. (laughs) 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 It appears to be about this young woman named Kat, whose mother disappears when she was 17, and... Um, she's also going through this sexual awakening, and her dad is weird, and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, that's White Bird in a Blizzard. Um, I picked this movie because Gregoraki is usually one of my favorite filmmakers, and, um, I've loved, I love, 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 love the Teenage Apocalypse trilogy, which are like his violent, um, sexually ambiguous uh, visions of L.A. headed towards the end of the world, featuring the living in, totally fucked up, and the Doom Generation. Um, and those came out in the early 90s. And I feel like when he's in that realm, like, I just, I love him. Like, everybody's just over-exaggerated nothing's realistic, everyone's goth, everyone listens to shoegaze, everyone's queer, um, and everything's super dangerous, but really, really funny. 
And I, uh, yeah, White Bird the Blizzard is not that. What did you guys think? <laughs> Who's going to go first? I want to see what, who, how other people thought about the film before I say anything. Jackson, you oh, go. Fine. I didn't like it at all. I thought it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Okay, good. I was like, "Why am I getting this bad? It's the wrong opinion." Am I? No, no I, it I, wasn't good. Oh, it was bad. It was really bad. Like there was the shots themselves were beautiful, um, but like, it, okay, so it was the sexual awakening stuff had nothing to do with anything, but also the drama and the mystery as to what happened to her mum was like completely irrelevant for the first half of the movie because you felt it was just going to be um, like set up for her character progression. You weren't going to know it. it would, like finding the answer was never the point. And then suddenly it becomes the point. And then law and order SVU killed her. And then he's gay. And it's like, what? Hang on. Oh, the last 10 minutes of this really went downhill really fast. Um, it, <sighs> It felt incredible. Like the film, the way it was shot was this really reserved, um, beautiful suburban eighty style. But the film itself, with this over melodramatic, soapy drama, and it was like so totally at odds with itself that nothing rang true at all. And I was like, I, I didn't care about anyone at all, one little bit. I was very bored. So good thing it was only ninety minutes long, I guess. So. <laughs> I- the first time Cat's uh, friends are introduced and the very clearly very, very gay guy is like, oh, I'd love to fuck, but I'm afraid of AIDS. And it's like the most on-the-nose dialogue in the world. I think I yeah. turned to Destiny. I'm like, I don't think this movie's very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Because um, I didn't really say exactly how I felt in the intro. My problem with this movie was like, it. I felt like if it okay if her mom had just disappeared and in the meantime she's going through all this stuff and she's trying to figure out her life and she has this weird boyfriend and this sad dad like that would have been a perfectly great movie without all the murder mystery stuff and the nonsense dream sequences like i could have just watched that i could have just watched 80s coming of age movie with shailene woodley sleeping with creepy cop like i would have loved that but no you had to make it into like cheesy like cw no yep no insult to the cw the cw makes perfectly (laughs) fine dramas uh just bad 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 like lifetime level cheese yep for me it was i feel like the dialogue does not work at all like i think there's a thing i complain about that dusty didn't really agree with i don't think the kids sound like actual teenagers they really don't they really don't i guess like I don't know, all my friends were foul mouthed and awful. And so. yeah, no, like the, I feel like the swearing sounds really uh, to me. It sounds fake, like every single time. The whole thing sounds forced, and everything. Like the film as a whole had this air of emotional distance to everything, which I get except, was deliberate. But except it the fact that Eva Green is actually just a cartoon character. Yep, like she's just her character from Sin City as a housewife, and it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad, and then like. The, like, it felt very, this is just, they wrote a draft in five minutes and filmed it because the way all the scenes were constructed, like the way her scenes with her f- two friends were constructed were every single one was the same. They were shot the same one every time. They were there. The dynamic was identical every time. It was just a bunch of, um, like cookie cutter scenes. Like there was a therapist scene and we'll have that and then we'll have a dad scene and then we'll have that and we'll have the friend scene and they'll talk well, about what's so- happening now. I will say the the two things I really do like about this movie, outside of the fact that I think it does look really good, is yeah. one, I like I like that she just kinda threw herself at Thomas Jane and they didn't really like she wasn't really punished for it in the film. Like it doesn't go anywhere and that's unfortunate. But I like that she's like, I'm gonna sleep with this older guy because I want to, and she does and it's like fine. It doesn't really censure her for that. And I think mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah. And then the scenes of Angela Bassett being like a commercial therapist, like just this blank face nodding and smiling every time she says something, are the best. Yeah, she makes the same face in every scene. Why did they cast Angela Bassett for that? Because they completely waste her. She's an amazing actress, but she's just like this weird plastic woman in her face. <laughs> We're gonna cast Angela Bassett and have her make the Martin Freeman face. Yeah. Completely, <laughs> she's completely um, useless. And did anybody see 2010's Kaboom? Yes. Like, that movie is great. I it's, hated that. 
Oh, well, we can talk about that. We can talk about that. But, oh, you didn't say your opinions, uh, Kyle and Jackson, did you? I did. Jackson said he hated it. I, I okay. suspect Kyle might like this then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> we ready can talk to. about it. I'm okay I... with, like, oh, go on. No, go on. I said, I'm okay with it on the face of, like, I think Greg Rocky's just a permatine, and I'm glad that he's still, like, dabbling in teenage stuff, I, because I, I even, admire it. Even, oh, if I, teen, even if I, even if, even if I would accept all of this, and it'd be, it, it's kind of, like, over melodramatic and a little cheesy, whatever, like, the fact that it ends on, like, this, such a stupid note. <laughs> Of, like, this <laughs> shitty reveal, and then, oh, he's, like, this repressed gay man, and then he's going to murder his wife because that's what he does. And, I don't know, like, it revels in these tropes for a filmmaker that Destiny's like, oh, his, all his films are super queer. It feels gross. Yeah. Like, it just this awful. Is not, this is yeah, not he's a like, queer film. This oh. is not the movie that the man who, like, helped usher in the queer new wave should have done. I'll agree there. Because, it's like, all of his early films are, like, these angry movies, and they all have, like, these... I mean, and they're not for everyone, because, like I said, they're really goofy. Like, there's a movie that involves an alien going around shooting people with a laser. Um, Kaboom is full of anarchic. witches. Yeah, they're just, they're, like, cartoons. But they work because that's... Like, you know, it's presented from the word go and all the actors really sell it and they remind me of, they're like music videos. Um, and then like the emotional, and I mean, the only other drama he's done, he did a movie called Mysterious Skin with oh, Joseph Gordon so Levitt. Great. Yeah. And that movie is also based on a, I think it's a YA novel. I read it, um, by Scott Heim and both the source material and the film are excellent. And it deals with childhood abuse in, in this, like, amazing way. So I don't understand why he couldn't, I don't know, something about this one just didn't work out. I should rewatch um, Kaboom, but my feels on this film, I actually think it's really interesting. I don't love it, but I feel like there are some interesting things going on in it. And I think that it's very strange, very inconsistent, kind of atonal melancholy is very well suited to what adolescence melon existential malaise feels like because it's just a mix of like emotions that don't mix so as a film i totally understand why it would not work for someone because it's just kind of a hodgepodge at times but i think like there's some interesting things about unhappiness and how eva green is kind of this weird construct stand-in for a housewife that is then kind of exacerbated into a vamp which i think is weird but also interesting and there's like elements of self-destruction and repression not only in the fatherhood the father the gay father thing but i think using it's as almost as if shailene woodley is kind of using sex as a way to repress kind of any trauma that she experienced growing up because it hints at that earlier in the film as the film goes on it continues to hint at certain things within her life like the fact that her mother is implied to be kind of abusive yeah, like, she used to be overweight, and her mom was really crappy about that. Because, yeah, there's, like, all these little things that they touch on that would make a great, like, exploration, but it never goes in that direction, and that's really disappointing. Mm -hmm. But I think the artificiality and the very strange kind of atonal quality is really interesting. I would not... I... There are movies that handle that better. Did we lose Hello? Kyle? I think we lost Kyle. Oh, Kyle, you're back. What? You just we lost you. Oh. Start again from I would not. I would not buy that on, on DVD, but I would be interested in writing about it further because I think there's some some interesting things at play, which I do think are carried out um, relatively well. Like There's some interesting things about isolation, I think, in the film. Just because of the kind of the inherently artificial quality of the environment, and although I have like an ethical issue with the fact that her friends are ornamental, I would also yeah. posit that they—I don't, not in a mind bendy way—but I also think that they don't exist. Really, they don't exist to her. They're there as just soundboards. This is kind of her world. She lives in this little bubble, and she's trying to parse out the meaning of the things that are going in her life. I like this reading. I feel like I like the movie more listening to this reading. Ditto. I, I don't, I'm never going to watch this again, but that's a good mm. read. 
I think it fits in, and I, I'm assuming this is what drew him to that book, because like I said, the man's a permatine, and I can see what he liked about the source material and like the imagery that he wanted to evoke, but I just think the story is just awful. Just an awful, awful story. Um, yeah, it's very melodramatic. I don't... I mean, I get that there's ideas there, but I don't think there's anything in the film that I can say is like... Maybe his, his... I will accept... I haven't seen his other films. I'm sure they are really good at handling all the teen sexual awakening stuff. I, I just hated it so much. Like, her, like it's just saying, talking about her friends and how useless they are and like how they may as well not exist. And that was one of the biggest drags in the movie because it's all about her like isolation and whatever and her escaping into sex and her pain. Uh, but she has all these characters in her life who just... Like, she doesn't have any relationships with them, and they just play as, like, her friends do not exist outside of to help her, and mm-hmm. there's no interplay with anything. And maybe you can read that as a deliberate thing, but it just, like, the, none of the emotions felt honest. It doesn't feel like an honest exploration of any adolescent teen space, like, headspace and, and like, sexual awakening that I, that I know about, because, it, the context for her life felt so unreal and but i feel like that is intentional because i feel the film the entire film has this very weird gloss to indicate that everything in her life is artificial and that's why her mother hated it cuz there's it's just a weird trap that she's going to fall into later and that she's fighting against Sure, but the like the whole film is about these people hiding their emotions and repressing everything and not being able to express them. But that comes across in the film by it being incredibly cold and incredibly unfeeling. And you don't you're looking in at someone who doesn't talk like a teenager, doesn't feel like a teenager, doesn't think like one. And it's kind of like teenagers to me. Maybe I see. Just have yeah, that. I was about to say I disagree that she doesn't talk or feel like a teenager or think like a teenager. To me, the, like I felt like she was to the T a teenager but I don't agree that like I think okay no I don't agree that she was like that but I think like everyone else in the movie like the boyfriend and the best friends like they were not very well done and they felt completely they felt like cartoons around her sure but like she was the best part of that but her life exists (laughs) in relation to all these characters thus making her ring hollow so I don't think she rings hollow she rings super there's like I didn't believe her for a second. Well, I think what's interesting is that we are initially presented with her as, you know, just a kind of an archetypal kind of bland teenager. But as the film goes on, she's revealed to be a lot nastier than, than she was initially presented as. So it makes, so I think that justifies the fact that her friends are ornamental because she's not very nice. She, and that is how she's kind of manifesting the fact that she's having to deal with all this, um, implicit trauma coming back to her or how to deal with that so well i guess i never felt that it was being revealed that she wasn't very like it felt like she was fairly clear from the start that she wasn't a very nice person but i mean juxtapose like the first few scenes with her versus when her mother is kind of in the door frame looking at her it's these two people who are not really compatible with each other and who are essentially have the same kind of issue except for Shailene Woodley has not fallen into that box yet. It hasn't been boxed into that, you know, perfect um, domestic lifestyle yet. And she is essentially fighting to, against being her mother. And, she, and, the, and the way that she ap- approaches her, her mother in that scene is very, very bitter, very sour and um, sharp. Sure, but I guess I just don't understand to what greater point or anything the film is building towards. Like, it has these ideas, but it doesn't do anything with them. It doesn't invest me in any of them. Like, the stuff about um, uh, Kat's appearance and like the references to her being fat before and all that stuff comes up and it's like making some point about uh, beauty standards and this artificiality of this perfect life, but it doesn't do anything or invest me in any of it. It's just there. Like a theme hanging ethereal connected to no emotional hook or anything. But I think that's just the problem with the story as a whole. Like that stuff is all presented or like it's all brought out, but then like they never really do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And instead they invest a lot into this um 
sexual awakening plot that doesn't mesh well with the mystery of the missing mother. Like, those things just don't mesh well together. I think another reason why I liked, or at least found this film interesting, it might be another it might be another reason why y'all may not have liked it. Because I, I get this impression that you didn't like there wasn't that there was no follow through. But I think this exact lack of closure that she is unable to get is the same kind of inability to gain closure in this film and in tandem, in conjunction, the inability to get closure in real life. Oh, that's fair. I, I mean, mean, it's kind of like... Oh, go on. For me, I, like, I'll freely admit, I don't like teen narratives, so I was not poised to like this to begin with. Like, Whereas they, I'm a big I, fan. Like, they, don't, they don't connect <laughs> with me. Like My experience with a teenager was very not anything that I've ever seen in a film about teens. I, so I would agree with Matt that that is like... That's the way I'm approaching this. Like This idea of all oh, this sexual awakening, teens being flippant and sarcastic with each other, but like expressing themselves in this physical way. like It's foreign language to me, and it all rings hollow. So. I mean, I have a little bit of that, but the way it expresses yeah, the way itself it is different. Yeah. Um, when I was... The, the movie that uh, most resembles my life as, like at least my late teens, is uh, Ghost World. The Terry Zukov movie. Mm-hmm. That's him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is probably the most representative of my teen life. And um, that's, that's, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know if that says anything about how I that, That's a teen movie, movie I actually liked, so go figure. <laughs> well, I just mean, like, oh, go on, sorry. No, go on. No, no, go on. Oh, I was just going to explain a little more, like, uh, because it's got, you know, these two girls and, like, they're the best friends in the world and they like rely on the world that they've built together and then once they start to uh you know once they're forced into the world of adulthood the world they've created for each other starts to fall apart and one of them just copes very very badly with it and it's also why i related really hard to francis ha because i feel like francis is is she's the enid enid character once enid hits like you know her mid twenties, and it's like, oh, I still haven't gotten it together because I refuse to accept uh, that you know, it's I'm you know the the world I built as a teen actually can't exist outside of me being a teen, and um, like that's why, and also just like the fact like it wasn't really about being like a cool alternative kid; it was more about like we found what was cool to us and we made it into this unique thing as if we invented it. And like, to me, that's what my teen years were all about and how the sex stuff was no big deal. Cause I know in that movie, one of the things I really loved about it is like, they reference the fact that the girls aren't virgins and then like, that's it. Cool. Just I a very like matter this. of fact handling of it. Uh, Sorry. I said, cool. I like ghost world. Yeah, Ghost World is one of the funniest, one of my favorites. I love it. I, I don't... I'm trying to think of, like, a movie that I would point to to be close to my teenage experience. I have no idea. I the one... Think, no, go on. You, you go. No, you go. I don't have one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the, the one that is most representative of my experience is um, Xavier Dolan's I Killed My Mother, Jatou Mamere. Um, and it's, you know, very much focused on a particular relationship dynamic, but what when I first saw it, it was just such a shock to my system watching it because it was like he, Dolan had followed me around the first few years of high school and just recorded the fights that my mother and I would have and then used that as dialogue for his script because there are things that are just verbatim thrown from things that we've said to each other and that was that that was the thing i had to reconcile with and then seeing mommy as kind of a mirror image kind of also broke me so yeah those two films are in the two films are, are different um angles or facets of my adolescence particularly with my late relationship with my mother yeah yeah i feel i feel crap because i should have one to point to but i have no idea like i think of movies t like the closest thing i can think of is like I'm is Rushmore, but that's not actually anything close to me. So I don't know. I got no. Answer. Why does that pop into your head though? Why is that I the really, first? One? I really reson- It really resonated with me when I was a, when I like, first watched it. Like, uh, uh, I f- I feel like the the half of that movie that is him as a like school student really resonates with me. Um, I, I didn't. 
his life isn't similar to mine because he's like manages to be super successful and spin his for the fact that he doesn't fit in into like something of his own. Like, but that stuff resonated with me, like trying to hold on to uh, this idea of what you can do and be without like the realities of the real world approaching you. But the side of Rushmore that was like the sexual awakening and stuff doesn't that doesn't that's not me at all. So, I, the half of that film is super poignant to me. I think the the weird crush of that movie is uh, the, the painful first crush. That's that's kind of a thing that I relate, related to in that movie. Most All crushes are painful, Destiny. All crushes. <laughs> that's true. But the first one, right? The first one where you know it's not going to happen, isn't that... That's all of them. That's all of them. All of them? Okay, I get... No, you're probably right. I just, you know, I, it's been a long time for me. It's been a long time. I'm an old woman. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't have a good enough handle on my <laughs> teen experience to properly... Well, also, it's like not... There aren't enough movies, probably, that are, like, diverse enough to probably hit everybody's experience exactly. I feel like this should be one to hit mine. I have a white dude teenager. <laughs> True. White dude coming of age stories. Hey, ain't that yeah, right? It's, it's boyhood. Oh no, God, I hate boyhood so much. <laughs> you did that deliberately. Boyhood is the anti... Alright, think of boyhood and everything opposite to that is my life. Well, so it takes place over 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you did that on purpose, you monster. <laughs> Yeah, but I liked how blue this movie was. Me too. I love the music. Oh, I love Shugay's music. He got me into Shugay's music that I, Greg Araki did. I like the first scene where she comes back home and all the shots of uh, Mr. Benson are uh, <laughs> uh, like really distant with him while he's on that chair. I like that. The frame. I, I got. At some point, because I cared so little, I was just aesthetically appreciating the framing. I was like, oh, good, good framing there. I want to know whether Ava Green just has a normally raspy voice. I don't know. I want to know why she didn't fire her accent coach. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to know that. Every time she does an American accent, she sounds like that. It's awful. It's the worst American accent. I feel like it's less of an accent and more just... I don't know, but regardless of what it is, it it makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) I just like her. Even when she's bad, she's still kind of awesome. I love her. I would love to be punched in the face by her. Mm, I'd like some of that, too. Oh, well, great. (laughs) Thanks for for listening. <laughs> Is that the end of the discussion? Anyone have any fi- final final yeah, final thoughts? I think that Gregoraki should stop adapting books and just follow his his Teen twisted dreams. visions forevermore. Uh, I would say that he should maybe go through a couple more drafts and really f- find. A- things to focus in on so that he can explore them more deeply and more satisfactorily. Because I think there are a lot of interesting things about White Bird and Blizzard, but I get why a lot of people have issues with it, because it is a very frustrating film. I was ready to hate it, because I had heard horrible things about it, but I was surprised that I found it as interesting as I did. I, uh... Everyone has stated that Shailene Woodley is like a really good actress, but the levels of I'm a serious actress now, so that means I'm going to be shirtless a lot is high in this film. That's true. I felt wrong seeing her without a shirt. Like she's so young to me in my head that I just couldn't handle that. It made me really uncomfortable. And I know that's no one's fault but mine, but I'm just throwing that out there because I'm honest. I'm an honest person. Plus, I thought I maybe this is just me being super old-fashioned. I thought that scene was super unearned. It was like I got the point it was making. It totally felt like we are an art film here at Shelley Woody Thomas. Speaking of shirtlessness, I can tell you one thing I liked about Avengers Two: shirtless uh, Aaron Johnson Taylor, Taylor Johnson, whatever his name is. Just that, when was uh, he shirtless? Over. Very, very briefly, and that was that was good for me. 
I feel this way about Chris Hemsworth, so I understand. The, don't worry, you do not have uh, any lack of shirtless, <laughs> shirtless Chris Hemsworth. I know. Yeah. They I are know. happy to satisfy the demand. Um, I, I don't think that it felt unearned, so to speak. I mean, Greg Rocky's movies are actually way more explicit than that. Like, that was really tame for him. It was so. less that it was unearned, and more that the themes of, like, the the when it was talking about what their bodies meant to them and how they were seen, was so blunt that the, then it was like, and then she's naked. Like, it wasn't handled well. Such great dialogue as the Punisher himself saying, your tits are amazing, but you knew that. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like she... Uh, like, I liked how upfront everything was, and I felt like that was just a part of it, but I don't know. But, like, even if it made me uncomfortable. I didn't make me uncomfortable. I was just like... Good job, Mindy. Please, let's talk about something else. What's movie we doing next month? The movie we are doing next month is Celine Sciamma's Girlhood. Woo! Back with you. That's exciting. Uh, sometimes I have good tastes. Sometimes. Just talk about how Lady is the best character in all of movies. Yep. Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> this this got me hooked on Rihanna. It, it made me appreciate her more, too. I mean, it took very little, because she's super good-looking. But you know what I mean. <laughs> so are we like, also watching Battleship as a... <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, Battleship is the... Uh... Let's just watch that scene in This Is The End where she smacks Michael Sarah. Have you all seen Battleship, or is that just me and Matt? I've never seen Battleship. Oh, I've never seen <laughs> all right. it. I want your bets right now. Does Rihanna survive Battleship? Go. No. Yeah. No. The answer is yes. <laughs> The answer is yes. Of course she does. They she... they wanted to make a sequel, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you begin to neg me again, the plug zone is here, Matthew. Everybody <gasps> plug your shit. It's my favorite zone. <laughs> <laughs> go! I guess I'll, go I guess forth I'll go and first plug, then. my children. You can, you can find me on Twitter, at LitRock, and I run a video game website podcast with Jackson, abnormalmapping.com. Yeah. Our most recent episode was a ridiculous improv skit we did with game developer Mike Joffe. Uh, he played Bowser, I played Wario. Many dumb things were said, but people seemed to like it. Oh, that so was so much better than just talking about video games. It is, it is the, that. But uh, check that out. Kyle. Oh, okay, me? Yeah. Um, my name is Kyle Turner. I sometimes write about things on the interwebs. Um, you can mostly find me as assistant editor at moviemezzanine.com, but you can find my collected works at tilekerner.tumblr.com, and you can find me on Twitter at tilekerner, T-Y-L-E-K-U-R-N-E-R, because I'm very creative, <laughs> where I tweet about either good movies or hot boys, or both. Hot boys and, and good movies, or sometimes hot boys and bad movies. Like right now, I'm googling that boy in uh, White Bird in a Blizzard. Yeah, so which that's boy? Me. The, the Shiloh Fernandez. Oh, the hot he one. He's very good looking. He, I don't think anyone was hot in this movie. No one will beat uh, 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 James Duvall, who is often the lead in Gregoraki movies, and he's he used to just be such a dreamboat. You know, I could. Uh, I, I recently watched Bound, and Christopher Maloney is in that, and I could have totally pictured Christopher Maloney circa Bound as a gay person. Bound is one of the most important movies. Uh, speaking of sexual awakenings, showing. <laughs> That's gross. Don't do that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Can't be. Hopeless. I'm not denying your sexuality, but don't express it that way. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> How does my sexual awakening sound? It sounds like Shwain. Fart. <laughs> it was just so, so important. We have anyway. received questions in the time of this recording. I so. didn't. Do, oh. I didn't do my plug, but like, I'll do, we'll take it real quick. Yeah, we'll plug we'll first, the and then we'll ask these ridiculous questions that Dylan sent us. Fuck. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I just wanted to say that I am at Fridgebuzz now on Twitter, and I have a podcast at BadlandGirls.com. What? What? Oh, can I plug the podcast that I do? No. Okay, so I also have a podcast with, my, <laughs> with a person named Connor, and it's called Media Query, Q-U-E-E-R-Y. You can find us on iTunes, and we talk about queerness and culture, and we invite guests when we don't feel that our voice is necessarily conducive to conversation because we're both cis white men. Well, oh, wait, I forgot I'm not white. <laughs> <laughs> 
the awkward moment when <laughs> I'm at Headfuls Off on Twitter, uh, and I host this podcast, and I'm on Abnormal Mapping. And if you want to find anything else, I do. It's at headfallsoff.com. I write film articles sometimes on Flixist. I wrote one about Avengers. It's okay. Uh, hopefully I'll do more cool film articles. That'll be nice in the future. Uh, but now we have... I guess these are questions we could ask from Dylan Schneider. Do you Are they at least about movies? One of them is. Okay, well, why don't you give us them in rapid succession? Okay, so the first one... <laughs> I'm sorry. What is the best fish? <laughs> what is best the best fish, fish? guy? Big God. fish. <laughs> I um Big fish. A fish called Wanda. <laughs> Help, I... I'm a fish. Uh I don't know what my favorite fish is. Finding really Nemo? <laughs> shark, actual... shark tail. My actual answer is the big whale that swallows the entire party in the adventures of Baron Munchausen. <laughs> oh, good, good one. Good fish pull. You reeled that one in. Mm. Well, I'm a big fan of Bruce and Finding Nemo. Fish are friends, not food. I just like uh, ocean scenes. I'm really terrified of big bottles, bodies of water. I'm afraid of big bottles of water. Um, I don't know. I don't have a favorite fish. I don't have a best fish nominee. I think we've done the best we could. Yeah, I agree. Uh, his second and final question. What is... Uh, well, what the hottest, sexiest non-porn movie to fuck to? No Bound. one has to answer. Bound, Bound is high up there. Bound is high up there, yeah. <laughs> I once gave someone a blowjob while watching The Terminal. Nice. That's not sexy, though. Yeah. Uh, Lust Caution's really hot. <laughs> if you have not uh, seen that. Strictly Ballroom. I don't associate movies to fuck to with their sexiness. I associate it with their boringness. Um, I mean, I would like. There's an argument to be made that Lust Caution borders on pornographic, though. To be fair, I'm not gonna fuck to porn though. If I'm watching, I don't know. I'm gonna, I, fucked I would. I fucked when I was watching Zombieland because I didn't want to finish Zombieland. I'd rather yeah, have I sex. Oh, I like Zombieland. Yeah, I like Zombieland too. I enjoyed it, and I watched it later, but I could have had sex. I made the I, right choice. The actual truth is, being movie people, we don't interrupt the movie to have sex. That's true. This is true. And I, I have repented the day the terminal thing happened because I will just so that was bad. I, yeah, I had I had one experience where I don't remember what happened in the second half of Battle Royale two because stuff went down. <laughs> Hang on, <laughs> there's a rugby dive. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. I need to see it someday. <laughs> oh shit, Battle Royale two. Yeah, I, it was a weird bad movie. I would totally. I would make out to. Uh, Heartbeats. Um, um, I lost it to Lost in Translation. Heyo. <laughs> That's true. It's not sexy, though. I know. I just wanted to say that. Uh, well. And for all you furries out there, the Aristocats. Uh, <laughs> bye, everyone. Bye. bye. Movies. Movies. <laughs> Hollywood.